welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. Yesterday, um, Christy wrote this word and it just impacted me so much. Come, I made you start coming. And um, she was telling me that when she was heading out, it was Muha's birthday yesterday. We were heading out to eat. I ate some alligator tail yesterday. And y'all know I'm not a foodie, so it was tastes like chicken. <laughs> That's funny. Doesn't everything taste like chicken? It was fried. It just tasted like fried batter. You could pretty much put anything in there. Like I'm thinking you could put some limbs. Some tree limbs. I think we would know. I don't think we would know. That good old fried batter. Anyway, so she was just saying that she was walked out the door. She was about to walk out the door, and she heard what the song that they just sang today. Can you believe that these these amazing worshipers can put all that together in a couple hours? And but this word was really impactful, and I I feel like it goes so much along with what I want to talk about. Um, about the new covenant today. So I want her to start us out with reading it today. Well, this is an easy one to launch into. It starts with thank you. Thank you. I was sitting with him and I just started saying, thank you for your nearness, Jesus. Thank you for your nearness, Holy Spirit. Thank you for your nearness, Papa. You're not far away. You're not far away. You are so, so, so close to us right now in our present day. You pour your own heavenly atmosphere into our day. You send heaven in all its power and glory to surround us right now here on earth. You are so good, so loving, reaching and extending yourself into our world so we can feel you and know you, so we can actually live this life with you. We don't have to wait. We don't have to wait. We don't have to wait. I have to make this bigger. We don't have to wait to arrive in heaven to live with you. How gracious and wonderful, how merciful and kind, how you love, you love so well, you love so completely, you love with such devotion and attention. Your heart is delighted in us, in me, in each one of us that your devotion keeps your eyes fixed on us at all times. You love so completely. Your heart is so delighted in us. How astonishing that the God of all, creator of all time and space, has his mind on us at all times. We are always on your mind. We are never, never, not for one moment, out of your sight, or out of your mind. All that you are, Papa, all that you are, Jesus, 
all that you are, Holy Spirit, you pour into our lives. We are blessed beyond measure by your nearness. We are blessed beyond measure. You are a holy God, a holy, holy, holy God, yet you share your holiness with us every day. You pour yourself out onto our landscape, inside and out. You shower us, bathe us, soak us with who you are. You didn't create this life or this earth as a faraway experiment of some kind. You didn't relegate us to a faraway world so you could wait and see if we'd return to you. You didn't create us just to see if we could find our way to you from some far off place. You bore us like children into a world you promised to fill with your presence. You planted us like seeds and watch over our growth and development like an infatuated gardener. You laid down with us in the soil that we were buried in. You poured yourself out to water us into the fullness of our design. The river of life that flows from within you was opened up to flood us with your godliness, with your holiness. You not only gave us access to your innermost heart, but you tore yourself open to release it over and in us. You've been so near from the very start, and you never allowed us to be apart. You've bridged every gap to stay near, to stay close by, to stay by our side. Thank you for opening my eyes to see that I am not alone. Thank you for opening my eyes to see how you are surrounding me in every aspect of my life. Thank you for showing me, for healing me of the blindness that tormented me. Thank you, Papa. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. When I marvel at all you are, when I take in the complexity of your nature, your magnificence, your glory, I can now imagine it all around me. I can perceive it as surrounding me in all that I do and all that life holds for me. I see now that I must know that your glory surrounds me before it can flow more powerfully through me. I must know that your glory surrounds me before it can flow more powerfully through me. I must have this awareness. I must operate in my life from this perspective. I must be fully aware of how you truly do saturate the air that I breathe. It's not just oxygen that fills the atmosphere around me, but you, you fill the atmosphere around me. You saturate the atmosphere around me. This is the reality that I am meant to live in and to live from. And Papa said, my daughters, my sons, 
The veil was torn so that you could see. The veil was torn so you could know. Pull back the curtains that remain over the window of your soul. Pull back the curtains and see the reality of what was given. Open your eyes and receive the fullness of this covenant. I tore the veil. I poured myself out. The river of life flows to you still. You weren't meant to live on just one drop. I'm meant for you to live in the ongoing flow. I'm still pouring out. I'm opening eyes right now to see, to see the more, the greater glory. I'm opening hearts and minds right now to perceive, to perceive the measure of heaven that came to earth that day. It is written that eye has not seen and ear has not heard, but I am opening eyes and opening ears right now. It is written that hearts and minds have not perceived, but I am opening hearts and opening minds in this season. The time has come for you to see, for you to hear, and for you to perceive the glory that entered the earth on resurrection day. It's time for you to walk in greater awareness of all that was given of the glory that surrounds you and is available to flow through you. I am stripping away the false insulators that didn't protect you like you thought they would. They only kept this view hidden from you. The false insulation must be stripped away. Don't be afraid when you feel exposed in this way. When you feel vulnerable and exposed to pain, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I am with you and I'm leading the way. I am preparing you to be wrapped in my glory instead. For your heart to be insulated by the pure glory of God instead of all that covered and concealed. You will walk in greater freedom when this transition takes place. Your mind and your heart will experience the protection and stability it has always craved, and you will be free to run with the agility in the power of my grace and glory. I think there's a, a powerful message in here today that... This is key to what we've been talking about. I know Tisa's going to talk about all that was given. We don't focus enough on what the new covenant actually brought us. How many years ago has that been now? A few thousand, right? And we, I've heard Bill Johnson say before that if you don't know what to do right now or you don't know what God's doing right now, focus on what God's done. And I think there's a lot of truth in that. And so this is so important today that we recognize the glory that already surrounds us, the grace that he's already provided, the nearness, his nearness. Like if you think he's in the room right now, his angels are in the room right now. He has extended heaven into this room in so many ways. And we may not be able to see it with our natural eyes, but it's here. 
And he, he's gone so far for each one of us. And so we need to increase our awareness of his nearness. That's when I was sitting in my room yesterday, I just started thinking that I'm not here by myself. I'm not in this room by myself. He has provided angels on either side of me to protect me. He has sent his grace to, to fill me and infuse me. He's done all sorts of things this, in each individual moment. He's so um, participating in my life. And it would make sense, wouldn't it, that if we recognize that, that would be the entrance to being able to participate with him. So, Papa, we just want to say thank you. Jesus, we thank you. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your nearness today. Thank you for opening our eyes and our ears and our minds and our hearts to perceiving the reality of your nearness today. Forgive us for all that we partnered with in the past that blocked our view of how close you really are. We just turn away from that today. We lay it down. We lay it at your feet, Jesus. We give you permission to burn it up, and we say we break partnership today with all those things that we use to self-protect when you were right here all along, when your glory and your grace and your power were right here, already poured out on the earth. Forgive us for picking up the lesser thing and partnering with it instead. Forgive us for looking to things for protection and power and influence and longevity and success and significance. Forgive us for looking to other things, to the lesser thing. When you were right here, when you literally tore the veil and ripped yourself open and gushed over us your glory and your godliness. Forgive us for not seeing it, for not recognizing it. We just ask you today, Holy Spirit, to go forth and, and cleanse every one of us. Just cleanse us right now from every part of our lives that is still participating with something less than what you've provided. Thank you for cleaning us today. Thank you for making us pure and holy and for opening our hearts and our minds, our eyes and our ears to see you and perceive you fully. Thank you for this incredible gift. Thank you that you care so much that you didn't want us to miss it. Thank you for pouring out the more continuously. So I just release an anointing over each person in the room and each person hearing my voice. I just release an anointing right now to see heaven on earth. Heaven on earth isn't a far off distant dream that we have to plead and beg for. Heaven is here. Heaven already came. Heaven already entered our atmosphere. So I just release an anointing right now to see, see the heavenly realm on earth, to see heaven on earth. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for what you're doing right now, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So we just make room in our heart, and we thank you that you've tilled the soil of our hearts today to hear and perceive, to see and to know the fullness of the covenant that you've already made with us, the fullness of your glory that you've already poured out, the fullness of your power that you've already made accessible to us, the fullness of your power that you've put within us. 
So we open our hearts, our minds, our eyes, and our ears to hear more about this covenant today. And we say thank you. Thank you for the more. Thank you for loving us so much that you don't want us to miss it. Thank you for heaven on earth today. Thank you for your nearness. In Jesus' name, amen. good, right? <clears throat> I just love that line that she talked about, the insulators, and how we often think that um, our experiences, we need to protect ourselves, we need to do different things, and they end up being in the way, right? So, um, so this is the year that we are discussing apprehending our destiny. And, you know, I, I, in the middle of the night the other night, I heard him say that um, your destiny isn't a vocation. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's not, it's, it's, a, it's an actual identity. Yeah. And so I think it's really good that how he's just kind of leading us along, how he wants us to know that, that everyone on the planet was birthed here, placed here by God for a purpose that's godly. Yeah. I can assure you that you're, you were not meant from God's perspective to lower your life down to where your destiny is just your job or your destiny is just to have a house or, you know, to have a retirement plan the old American retirement plan, that he actually has a, a fuller version of your life than probably you currently are living, would you admit? And so one of the things that I know that I know that I know why I'm here, I know I'm here to rewrite definitions that people have of God. I, I You know, when I was a little girl... I would look in the newspaper and I would see the lost and found. And I would think to myself, why don't those people get together? I think this is their dog right here. I mean, it's just right here. They're looking for a dog and this is their dog. You know, and so I, years later when I realized, oh, that's, that's part of my calling is that I see this thing can't find this thing and I want to get those together. And so I love how that in, I believe in the prophetic, I believe that prophets and apostles and teachers and evangelists and all of the ministering offices of the Holy Spirit exist today. Yes. Shocking, I know. But it's said that those ministering offices are the equippers. And then there's another group of people called the saints. Now, I assure you the equipper people are saints as well. But they are to equip, this is in Ephesians, I think. Is it Galatians or Ephesians? Ephesians. They are to equip the saints to what? Lay in bed all day and eat bonbons. Sleep in till noon. Be irresponsible all over the planet. They are equipping, that's, that's a no for all you don't know. <laughs> they are equipping 
the saints to do the work of the ministry of who? The Holy Spirit. And so think about it. If the Holy Spirit has a ministry that he made equippers to equip people to do, he must have a big agenda. Doesn't he? And so one of the really cool things that Jesus did was he said to his disciples, hey, I'm going to go away. I'm going to be hanging out with Papa up in heaven. And while I'm up there, I tore the veil and everything. You can come up there too. But while you're not up there, I'm going to be praying for you. Before Papa, I'm going to be crying out for you. I'm going to be praying for you. I'm going to be interceding for you. See, that's why you don't have to worry about people that don't know God because he's up there interceding for them. Don't let someone that doesn't know God change you from being able to do your destiny. That would just be two lives lost, right? That was just free. And so, but I'm going to leave you the Holy Spirit here on earth. And he said, go wait for him. That I propose to you that, that there may be some waiting when the Holy Spirit's involved that we're uncomfortable with. That's why he says specifically, go wait. How many have been waiting for anything? Okay, well, then you're involved with the Holy Spirit. He's a, he, you're waiting for him. But there was an anticipation in the waiting. They didn't go up there and say, well, nothing's going to happen, just like Jesus said. I, I propose they were like, however long it takes. I don't even know what's coming. I don't know what it's going to look like. I love that heart position. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know how long it's going to be before it gets here, but it's coming. And so one of the scriptures in the Bible, it just says that God doesn't do anything on earth until he tells his prophets. Why? Because God wants to collab with people. Yes. See, I somehow in my childhood, I think I kind of thought we were just hanging out till we died so we could go get in our mansion. We didn't really have a purpose. We were just like, and, and didn't you sit around and envision what your man, anybody do this at all? I sat around and envisioned what that mansion looked like and how much easier it would be than what I was doing here. Until I learned I was missing the whole point of being here. And then I realized, oh, wait, he's keeping tally of the works of Jesus that I do here because he wants to reward me when I get there. Does eternity mess anybody up? Don't you love that, that it messes you up so bad that you cannot understand it? Don't you love that? Don't you love? See, if I don't serve a God that has things I can't understand, then he's me. He needs to have some stuff that's blowing my mind that I can't get my little pea brain, I mean, my, my mind around. He needs to be bigger than me. So he has some mysteries and things that he wants to reveal, reveal to us and is ongoing. Can I tell you that if you, don't, if you don't receive revelation bigger than what you currently have today, then this was a waste. We could have went to Walmart together and y'all could have bought me some cookies or something. This, this need, today I need to unveil something to you you've never thought of before. And that needs to keep going on and on. This is, an, this is not church. I don't know if you know. This is an equipping center. I'm a quipper. I'm, who am I equipping? Leaders. I know that. Are you a leader? Everybody's leading something. 
If you have children, you're a leader. So you better have, you better be ingesting knowledge beyond where you are so you can train the next generation. And so I love this. Let's turn to Jeremiah 31. That's where I want to start today. I want you to ask God this question right now. Is there any definitions in my life about you right now that you want to change today? Can you just ask him that on your own? Jeremiah 31. Jeremiah was a prophet. Pam's favorite prophet. And let me see if I can find Jeremiah 31. And there's just so many good things in Jeremiah 31. I do not have time to read this whole chapter. But one of of my favorite little snippets in Jeremiah 31 is verse 4, the second part of it. And I'm reading this in, what version am I in? The voice. It says, I will build you up and you will be rebuilt. (laughs) Don't you love that statement? This is what I'm going to do and you're going to be it. So that... That this is part of this new covenant chapter. And so let's jump all the way down. Jeremiah 31, we're way down in verse 33. And it says, this is the kind of new covenant. Now, this is Old Testament, Jeremiah. Jesus wasn't on the scene. So can that, does that tell you a little bit? If Jeremiah prophesied it, that means a bunch of them knew it. And so what were they doing? They were looking around for a new covenant. What was the old covenant? The old covenant was once a year, every, everybody that sinned would go to the priest and they would sacrifice something and your sins would be forgiven. Do you understand that even Old Testament people understood forgiveness? Read some, read some Psalms from David after he killed Bathsheba's husband and read that. And he's like, he, he understood forgiveness. It's not a Jesus thing. And so they understood forgiveness, but the way in which they were able to receive forgiveness changed in the new covenant. That you're living in a dispensation of grace. It changed every way that you interact. And that's the beautiful part. Let me finish reading this. This is the kind of new covenant I will make. Now, I just read, I'll rebuild you, right? Now he's saying, here's what I'm going to make. Okay? So this is what God said he was going to do in Jeremiah whenever Jesus came. They didn't know when it was going to happen. I'll make a new covenant. I will make with people of Israel when those days are over. I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts. So see, this is the biggest distinguisher between the old covenant and the new covenant. Do I need to re-preach why we even had the old covenant? We had the old covenant because when they came out of Egypt, he wanted to meet with them, but they got scared. And so then he had to send Moses up to the mountain to get the laws Right. And then he had to keep adjusting the laws because new stuff kept happening. Right. And so his desire has always been to have a people, not to say, be, be my people. To say, you're my people. You're mine. Like you are my people. Like you're my beloved. You're not like be my people. You got no other choice. Just be mine. And then we would say, 
and you're my God. I'm beloved and oh my gosh, and it's a it's an actual covenant, it's an agreement. Someone says, I want to be your God, and you I you are already my people. I just think you're cool. You're so valuable to me. And then we would in our agreement say, Okay, I'll this is so enticing to me. I want to join up. I want to make this new agreement with you. I want to join my life to your life. Now, see, the beautiful thing about this covenant is that he's got all the goods. What, but, but what do you have of value? You were made to carry his glory. He didn't, he's not putting his glory on anything else but people. And you get to do that here on earth. Your display of how you know him. That's what Habakkuk says. How you know him. And so this is what Jeremiah is talking about. He says, I, God says, I want to write my ways on a heart so that it would be inward. See, all of the old covenant was about external stuff. All the external rules. I love, I was reading a little article this week, and he made this statement. Let me find it real quick. Jesus was the inauguration of a new system. Isn't that a great way to say it? The beginning. A new agreement, a new arrangement between God and man. Woman, too. It's, he said that this in the new covenant, covenant, the will of God is inscribed internally on my heart. And it's experientially. In the sense that whatever God requires of us in terms of our obedience, he provides for us in terms of of the Spirit's internal enabling power. Listen to me. This is the biggest distinguisher between the Old and New Covenant, that Jesus left the Holy Spirit to be the power that humanity needed to be obedient. I want to go home on that. Let's, let's, let's read that real quick. I think that's over in Luke, isn't it? No, that's what I read earlier. Hang on, let me find it. It's John 14. Let's go there. Sorry, I've got 500 scriptures, and I don't even have that one pulled up, so I just felt like I needed to read it. John 14. Listen to those little girls' voices in there. It makes me so happy. John 14, 28. No, 15. <laughs> John 14, 15. Let's go there. Sorry, I didn't have this one pulled up. Loving me empowers you to obey my commands. Do you get it? You, you do understand that 
God is the standard. I love Christy had a great analogy today. She said, like, it's like you call, you have a wreck and you call up State Farm and you say, pay for my car. And they're like, you don't have a policy with this. So the covenant's the same way. If you're not in covenant relationship, you can't call up Papa and say, fix this mess I made. Do you understand that my partnership with the Holy Spirit on decisions causes there to never be a mess? All the messes, anybody ever clean up a mess, a, a messy life? All the mess was made because there was no communion in the covenant with the Holy Spirit pre-decisions. It works the same way in mentoring. I would like to say, don't call me after you've already made a decision, after you already made something, and then get me to vote on it. Because you already did all that, and now I'm left with, well, should I tell you how it really is, or do I just say, you're good? And see, that's what we do. In a covenant relationship, I want the interaction. Because Jesus, this is what he said, I will ask the Father. Jesus said he'll ask Papa. <laughs> I love that scripture. I'll just ask him. You have not because you ask not. So, that, so he was demonstrating to us how to ask first. Why in the world did Jesus need to ask Papa for anything? He could have just did it. See, he was demonstrating, you've got to You've got this procedure in the covenant. You need to ask the Holy Spirit, can I propose to you before you do anything? Everything you want to be successful, I would ask him first. I would involve him in every decision. I involve him into what I'm going to eat. I would involve him in every decision possible. Maybe you need to set an alarm. How many decisions in a day do you do and you didn't even think about the Holy Spirit? And he's trucking along with you in your container. He's having to experience all the choices you're making that he's like, um, I am here and I do know everything. And I do have all wisdom. You could just ask. But see, can I promise you, he will not involve himself without your permission. Even if he lives in you. He won't override your will. He wants, Jesus was saying, think about this. I don't know if this blows your mind as much as it, but Jesus is actually saying to them, let me demonstrate how you do it. Ask. Sounds so hard, doesn't it? Ask. I will ask the Father and he will give you another. He knew if he asked the Father, he knew the Father would say yes. They were snug that way. Can I propose he wants you to be the same? This is not just Jesus' way. Jesus lives in you. This is a partnership. <laughs> I will ask the Father and he will give you another Savior. That's what he called the Holy Spirit. So that means that's the Holy Spirit's role to help save your life. Would you just promise me today you will think about asking him? <laughs> will you just 
Well, you just set an alarm on your phone one time a day and say, how am I just ask the Holy Spirit which way I should drive home today, which way I should, what I should eat today, who I should text today, who I... Do you understand? We do all these things without thinking, and then we have our whole life then gets captivated with activity that has nothing to do with Him. Right. And He will give you another Savior, the Holy Spirit of truth. Truth, truth, truth. That's why you want to ask the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Sp- Spirit is a truth teller. I. Do you love him like I love him? I love the Holy Spirit's involvement in my life. I love to acknowledge that I talk to him. I love everything about him. He's always showing me stuff. He's always telling me stuff. He's always interact. I want to interact with him about every decision in my life. It is not hard. And listen, he says, who will be to you a friend? See, let's change our mind that God's not mad at you today. God has never been mad at you. Quit picking out a bunch of Old Testament scriptures that you don't even understand and acting like you can stamp that on God because you just know Him. Then you base all your actions on this really mean God when He's actually a loving Father. He'll be a friend to you just like me, and He will never leave you. Let's go back to Jeremiah, shall we? Where are you, Jeremiah? This is the new kind of covenant I will make with the people of Israel in those days, but I will put my law within them. I will write on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. And no longer, verse 34, no longer will people have to teach each other or encourage their family members saying, you must know the eternal, for all of them will know me intimately themselves. From the least to the greatest of society, I will be merciful when they fail and forgive their wrongs. I will ne- and I will never call to mind or mention their sins again. See, he's listing some things that actually were prophesied in Jeremiah, but you actually can find them. Let's turn over now to um, Romans 8. All of these are in Romans 8. Because um, I love it because he said that with the new covenant, this is from this little article, with the new covenant, it's a promise of a personal relationship. Don't you hate it when someone says, I says something about you because they say they know you, but it's not like how you feel. Don't you hate that? You know, I know if somebody knows me because they know how to spell my name because my name is spelled weird. My mom's watching because my mom, <laughs> my mom put her dad's name, Reese, just hid that little thing in there. You know, it's, it's unique, but nobody can spell it right. In fact, when I spell it for them, they say, are you sure? <laughs> And I'm thinking, yeah, at this age, I'm pretty sure that I know how to spell my name. (laughs) See, whenever he says that it's a promise of a personal relationship, that's what he said, I will be their God. It's personal to him. You and your life and how you experience life, it's personal. That's why he provided everything you need 
to do this life well. I love, I'm going to go Old Testament on you again. In Ezekiel, Ezekiel 36, 26, you don't have to turn there. Let me just read it to you. He says, I will plant a new heart and a new spirit inside you. I will take out your stubborn, stony heart and give you a willing, tender heart. Do you know what that word stony means? Petrified with terror. That's why our hearts get hard. We're petrified with terror. Have you identified where you're petrified? It's either it's usually either with people or some sort of financial thing. Nobody's gonna like me. I'm reje- I'm pre-rejected. See, when you understand the new covenant, it's impossible to think you're pre-rejected. That's why you have to understand the new covenant. That's what your definition of what a covenant from God's perspective means is off. You cannot even believe one second that you are rejected when you actually understand the new covenant. That's why you have to have that solid or you can't do your destiny. Because then you administer your destiny out of being rejected. And so what would that mean? That means you would have to get a bunch of people to like you, to promote you, to build you up, to make sure you're popular, to make sure you're good, because they become the source of whether or not you're good. So see, we can't do our destiny without pure worship, and we can't do our destiny without understanding the new covenant. It's impossible. Because your destiny has to do with what you will throw flow out, not what you will receive in. And so if you, he says that he's wanting to do this, you do have a stubborn, stony heart. You're not going to have it forever. Because he said, I'm giving you, I'm planting a new heart and a new spirit. A plant, doesn't that signify it needs to grow? So if I know what made me hard and stony, I don't want to feed that anymore. I want to cut that off at the root. Maybe it was rejection. You didn't forgive. Remember I said last week, if you try to give something away and, and, you, and you get rejected, you were supposed to dust that off of you. Dusting is not even like vacuuming. I did some vacuuming recently. It's not, I don't do that very often. It was a shocker day. But dusting's different. You just take a little rag and just dust. Vacuum, you got to get that thing and a cord, and you got it's just no, we don't have a cord anymore, it's cordless. And then, right? Dusting just says, knock that off. We a lot of times get stuck. Let's be honest, we get stuck where we thought probably relationally. It happens so much relationally. This relationship's going to be blank. If you're a girl and you watch the notebook, then you're it's gonna be that. If you're a guy, and let me think of one. Where's a movie where the girl waits on the guy all the time? You got one of those? Anyway, that's what, that's what, right? We have these visions of when I'm in relationship with people, if you, I have a pastor and my pastor's going to do this for me. I have a boss and my boss is going to do this for me. We've, we've made these definitions of all these relationship goals. Let's call them that. 
Relationship goals. I'm going to get married and my wife's going to cook for me all the time. I'm going to get married. My husband's going to rub my feet every night and make me a hot bath. Then you have some kids and you realize there ain't none of that going on. Zero of that going on because you're just trying to feed something and get to bed and repeat it tomorrow. And then you get divorced and then you got to run over here and get your kids over here and get your wife happy over here and run over here and get your girlfriend over here. I mean, you're just busy all around. Don't you have time to go to the store? <laughs> get you a pizza on the way home. Throw it down and act like you're a good dad, right? Good mom. See, that's, life gets so busy because covenants are broken all the time. And so that creates being petrified with terror. It creates fear. And so fear is restrictive. Let me just say it again. All fear is demonic. No fear is from God. I promise you, if you would just cast fear out. I love Mendel's thing. I evict you. I did not give you permission to be here. We're going to be writing up some little prayers for all of these things that we just run into that are common all the time. Sickness needs to be evicted. Fear needs to be evicted. Why would you want to go to bed with fear? Have you ever went to bed with fear? Does it get smaller during the night? <laughs> the weird thing about fear in the middle of the night is huge. Have you ever had that huge moment of fear in the middle of the night and then you wake up the next morning and you're going, what was I doing? Have you ever done crazy things in the night because of fear? Have you ever been mad that you were doing crazy things in the middle of the night because of fear? Evict it. I love Chrissy's been listening to Kat Kerr about heaven. But one of the things she said that Kat Kerr, and I may mess this all up, but um, every day God gives you grace to do something in that day, but you need to ask the Holy Spirit for grace that day. Y'all should just start making that a prayer. Just put it on your phone every day when you wake up. Holy Spirit, I invite you today and I ask for your grace on this day. Give me the grace today. You have not because you ask not. What if everything in the kingdom was available through asking? And then we're all waiting for it to just be delivered like a hot pizza. We're just all sitting around. We're not communicating with the Holy Spirit, nothing. We're just sitting around going, maybe the pizza will arrive. If not, I guess today I'm just unworthy of it. I know none of y'all have done that. Petrified with terror. So he's planted something new. Are you cultivating the plant? It's not a cactus. Cactus, you can just do anything with it, basically. It's one of those special plants. Those ones that you need to oversee. You need to take care of. He said that he would plant within you. And guess what? I'll give you a willing, tender Heart of flesh. Anybody ever had a hard heart and you hated it? Anybody? Man, don't you hate that? You're like, oh, man, I hate it. I'm so, mm, I'm unwilling. Anybody know what I'm talking about at all? Anybody know? Just a couple people. Some people are, nope, I'm not raising my hand on that. No. No. Mm -mm. Nope. See, <laughs> see, this is the Spirit's promise. This is part of the covenant. 
Is that the very thing you can't change about yourself if you just ask him? I get real specific with him. I'm like, oh, Holy Spirit, I just don't like how I feel right there. Come, change me. Show me why. I, show me why. I love to know why. Why do I even feel that way? And he'll show me. Yeah. Somebody kicked me in the shin 25 years ago, and I don't remember it, and that's where it came in. Somebody hurt me. Someone didn't do what I thought they should do for me. Anybody ever had that? That creates this stony, hardened heart. And then guess what? When we're in new relationships, we're bringing the old stony heart, and we covered it all up. We insulated it. Like her word, we just covered and covered and covered it. And so then we're trying to connect with someone on a deep level, and there's so much insulation. They don't ever get to us. Where are we at now? Are we in Jeremiah still? Romans. Romans 8. No, Hebrews 8. Why did you say Romans when it was Hebrews? I know I did. No, I was just being saying. Let's turn to Hebrews 8. Listen, I'm just giving you a little foundation today. We're going to talk about this in the next couple of services at least. In the Passion Translation, the title of this section in Hebrews 8 is Our Better Covenant. In the Amplified, it's a better ministry. In the message, it's a new plan. Ah. Gosh, I wish I had some more and we could see what other sounds we could do. But I, you know, I love to, to teach from the, from the Passion Translation, but you can read it in all those others. I usually do too. In, in Hebrews 8, verse 1. Now, this is the crowning point of what we're saying here. We have a magnificent king priest who ministers for us at the right hand of God. Do you, can you, do you personally visualize that? I personally visualize that. Jesus sitting up there with Papa and he's like, man, that Tisa, she is amazing. She's amazing. She yields. Yielding's like breathing. He just brags on me all the time. Is that what y'all have a Holy Spirit? Yeah, Jesus, I mean, doing with... Yeah, everybody? No? What's going on with y'all? What is it Jesus of their tattletelling on y'all or what? God, did you see what Teresa did down there? I mean, that's a big change I can see some of y'all need to make right there. Hemi would join me in having a different conversation about what Jesus is saying to Papa about you. He is so pleased with you. Did you not just hear the better covenant? He doesn't even keep record of your wrongs. Do you understand that it's impossible for words to come out of Jesus's mouth when he's talking to Papa about you, about something you did wrong? Who can I say this? It's impossible for it to come out of Jesus's mouth, something that you did wrong, Shooty. So what is that conversation looking like up there from y'all's perspective? Do you understand? Jesus is probably saying, help them believe what you really believe about them. 
See, you can't do your destiny until you believe about you what Papa believes about you. And so Jesus is interceding. He's bridging the gap between what you believe about you and what he really believes about you. Oh, y'all got to get that. I don't have time to talk about that. Let's do. So let me tell you, it's the enemy's lies that do that. He comes in and he's the accuser. And so he reminds you of things that happen, but he distorts them. Either with some euphoric recall, he distorts them. I have people who are living a much better life right now who will say to me, well, back when I was, and I'm like, no, no. Don't even be bringing that. There's not anybody in this room right now that I know personally that's living a better life than they were last year. No way. No way. So don't do some euphoric recall back in 1942. It wasn't better. We didn't have this, and so it wasn't better. I'm starting my car with this. It wasn't better. Right? I had alligator foot yesterday. It's not better, or tail, or wing, or something. I don't know. Some apparatus. So, you know, you, I would behoove you, I love that word so much, to begin to spend some time. It's simple. Get you a little song, this song we sang, and just play it. And just, it's all free on SoundCloud. You can listen to everything for free on YouTube, SoundCloud. Just, it's unlimited. You can listen to all of it and just say, Papa, today I don't think I know really how you feel about me. And see, can I tell you, if you have to keep doing that over and over and over and over, you need to get that shored up and healed. Because you're doing an, an extended activity of trying to find value. And so you can never do your destiny because your activity is just spent on trying to figure out if he likes you. God so loved you, he died for you. That's a lot of love. When have you been up on a cross crucified for somebody? He so loved you. He made a plan for a better covenant, a brand new covenant, so you could live an abundant life on earth, so you could fulfill your purpose and display his glory. Okay, back to Romans, Hebrews. It's Hebrews. Hebrews 8. We have a magnificent king priest who ministers for us at the right hand of God. I'm so thankful for that. He is enthroned with honor next to the throne of the majesty on high. He serves in the holy sanctuary in the true heavenly tabernacle set up by God, not by men. Since every high priest is appointed to offer both sacrifices and gifts, so the Messiah also had to bring some sacrifice. But since he didn't qualify... (laughs) <laughs> to be an earthly priest, and there are already priests who offer sacrifice prescribed by the law, he offered in heaven a perfect sacrifice. Why does it say it like that? Because the goal from Papa God was mankind could have communion with him. I can't have communion with something holy when I am not. God can't change his holiness. It's not a bad thing. So he made a way for you to be holy so y'all could commune. 
That's why he said it that way. He said to Jesus, will you go down and satisfy what needs to happen for people to commune with me because he loves you so much? And so it's so easy for us. We just confess our sins, accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, believe that he rose from the dead, and we accept the Holy Spirit in our life to lead and guide us, and we are made right. That's an inner decision. I, he knows whether inside your heart you've done that or you're just doing an outside activity. And see, the weird thing about only outside activities is they never bear fruit. They eventually show up to be not a true heart motive. So it was the perfect sacrifice. Can we just skip that next little part? Go down to six. But now Jesus the Messiah has accepted a priestly ministry which far surpasses the old guy's. Since he's the catalyst. What's catalyst mean? What's catalyst mean? Does anybody know? (laughs) What? Yeah. He's the beginning. He led the way. He's just poof. See, it's a soundtrack. It's not a definition. He's the catalyst of a better covenant. Why did we need a better covenant? Let's read about that in this little article I was telling you about. He said, He said, the point here is that the new covenant that Christ established and the gift of the Holy Spirit who indwells all of its members, that we not only know what to do, but we've been given the power and strength to do it. That makes it a better covenant. The old one, I had to go to the priest. They had to go to the priest. We never had to do that. I don't know. Is there any religions on earth that are doing that currently? I mean, I found out this week religions are doing weird things on the earth that I didn't even know they were doing. Shocking. And so it's a better covenant because I don't have to go through that process. And, And I don't know if you can see this. But the reason why I believe that God made it so simple is so we could get on with the works of the ministry. How much time do you think it took for the priest to cleanse everything, get you the the purified sacrifice? I mean, it was a lot of work, right? So there is a work of the ministry there's the works of jesus that it says in revelations that he's coming back to reward us for that's that's just what i would do i mean if i was going to do something i would do the things that jesus was going to reward wouldn't you i would who can i talk to i would do the things that jesus is going to reward why would you do anything else We now have the knowledge that Jesus said in Revelations, I'm coming back on my high horse. I said it last week. And I'm going to reward those. I got my reward in my hand. I'm going to be looking around. Who did the stuff I said to do? So why would we do anything else? Because we don't want no rewards. We want to be torched. (laughs) That's the other thing he said would happen. All the stuff you made for yourself. But you called it for me? I'm just talking to leaders here, right? All the stuff that you really were just doing to be good, 
be in control? How many's ever been thinking they were in control? Anybody? I mean, man, that looks so weird on y'all. Doesn't it? Have you ever known anybody that thinks they're in control? Doesn't it look weird on them? Like, you're not so not in control. That just, that behavior is looking ugly. He's a catalyst of a better covenant, which contains far more wonderful promises. If we just stopped right there, the old covenant didn't have the kind of promises that the new covenant has. We're going to be talking more about this. So that's why we want to actually learn more about what's in the new covenant. I propose that we're underutilizing the beauty and promises of the new covenant. Religion made us do a bunch of weird stuff. Made us wear long skirts and not cut our hair. Right? Not wear makeup. Be carnivores. I don't know. (laughs) Be on the carnivore diet. It made us do weird things trying to what? Trying to feel good enough to receive what God had. And that's not even what he said. So that means all of that activity of religion was redundant. And then we were mad at God because it didn't yield no fruit. Well, you said if I would just say be healed, they would. Well, no, but in your heart, you don't believe that they're going to be healed. You're just kind of hoping that if you just said that one little thing, that some magic would happen, but you didn't have to do anything. This only comes out through fasting and prayers, what Jesus said. Do we even know which thing needs what thing to make it be subservient to our authority? Let's keep reading, shall we? More wonderful promises, verse 6, verse 7. For if that first covenant had been faultless, no one would have needed a second one to replace it. But God revealed the defect and limitation of the first one when he said this. See if you can hear it. Look, the day will come, declares the Lord, when I will satisfy the people of Israel and Judah by giving them a new covenant. Did you know I just read this in Jeremiah? It will be an entirely different covenant than the one I made with their fathers when I led them out by my hand from Egypt. For they did not remain faithful to my covenant, so I rejected them, says the Lord. For here is the covenant. He just said it. So you'll know. For here is the covenant that I will establish one day. I will embed my laws within their thoughts and fasten them onto their hearts. I will be their loyal God and they will be my loyal people. And the result of this will be that everyone will know me as Lord. This is the covenant. He's trying to embed in your thoughts and in your heart, what? His ways. So if I have a bunch of other ways in there, it will create conflict and I will be double-minded. If I have fear in my mind, if I have fear, that's why he said, do not fear. He didn't say, let's fear a little, let's love a little. You have authority to evict fear from your life. At the same token, you have the authority to allow fear to remain. 
See, we want some antidote for fear when it's really what we say. It's really what we say. You're a prophesier. Do you say, man, I have a headache. I bet I'm going to have a headache tomorrow. I bet you have a headache tomorrow. I mean, I don't know if it's proverbially tomorrow, but you will have a headache. Oh, I don't have enough money. I bet you don't have enough money one day. Well, my boss didn't like me. I bet he didn't like you one day. Well, they're probably going to fire me. I bet they fire you one day. You're a prophesier. See, if we don't understand that part of fulfilling our destiny means that this has got to have control on it. James said it's, it, it's the tiniest little member, like the rudder on a ship. How many have ever driven a boat? The rudder on the boat is teeny-weeny, little bitty. And it, it just does this. This is all it does right here, y'all. And it determines where the boat is going to steer. That's your mouth. That's what you're saying. If you say, oh, your kids, well, they're probably not going to like me when they're a teenager. Well, they're probably not. See, you are prophesying your destiny. You're prophesying your future is a better word. That's why he said, I want to embed my ways. Have you ever had a way that God gave you that was new to you? Can you think of one right now? And so when he gives you a new way to think and you thought an old way, how hard is it to remember the new way? Why? Because it's had a lot of time logged. It's had a lot of meditating. It's had a lot of contemplation. It's had a lot of actions. It's had some history. Can I tell you? But that was never God. So that entire history made with that horrible thought was all from the enemy. It was never God. So when God comes on the scene, he says, hey, this is who I really am. This is what I'm really going to do. This is who you really are. You're just like, whoa, that's so shocking. I didn't even know he thinks that way. I didn't know I need to do that. I didn't know that would mean that. I didn't know that would mean that. I didn't know. I, I didn't realize. You didn't put it all together. You weren't self-aware that you were sabotaging your own life. That's what I said last week. How many has the enemy come to and said, you don't need to live? And I said, everyone. (laughs) He says that to everyone because he doesn't want you to live. That was never God. So, so in that moment, you're like, yeah, I don't think I need to live. You're just partnering with a demonic. And you're, and you're wanting God to come through and rescue you from that. And he can't because you have rejected him. You didn't ask him. You didn't invite him. And you invited fear. And you sat down at dinner with it. And you said, we'll talk about you. And that's not what he said. Here's the covenant. I will embed my ways in their minds and in their hearts, and they will be my loyal people, and I will be their loyal God. What is loyalty? No matter what, he's there. You know, all the times that you're not paying attention to him, and you're not talking to him, and you're not acknowledging him, and you're unaware, he's still there. Hanging out, waiting for an invite. See, because do you understand, if you just do this, verse 11 says what the result is going to be. 
I want everyone to know God. I don't know how y'all feel. I don't want them, I don't want them to know God the way my grossest point with God was. I want them to know God the way God is. My knowledge currently is limited and I want more. I don't know where you think your knowledge of God is. I always want more, but I want people to know him in his reality. And if I'm hindering people's ability to know who God is because what I'm saying and doing represents him wrongly, wrongly, I want him to tell me or I at least want somebody around me to tell me. And that's when he said everybody will know him so there won't even be a need for teachers. Who's a better teacher and writer on your heart than God? The rest, he goes on and he finishes uh, Jeremiah 31. But then in verse 13, he says, This proves that by establishing this new covenant, the first is now obsolete, ready to expire, about to disappear. Who wrote this? Hebrews. Paul, he was describing to them, Jesus already came and died. This is already available. There's going to come a day where nobody's going to do these animal sacrifices anymore that y'all are doing. There's going to come a day that people are going to believe who Jesus is, that people are going to believe who the Father is, and they are going to do the works of the Father just like me because they're going to hear the Holy Spirit in their heart and life, and I will have written on them so much that they are compelled. I am compelled to do what the Father's doing because I want to see Him displayed, and I hope you will too. It's exciting, isn't it? So exciting. Well, you know, I I like to connect the dots, um, what the Holy Spirit's saying and emphasizing. And, you know, we he in the word that I got yesterday that I shared already earlier was uh, about nearness. And and then if, um, Tisa was talking about the new covenant and all that's available to us. But you know, I think the the problem, and she mentioned it, is that a lot of us think that it's just going to be automatically downloaded. It's automatically going to happen just because God set it up that way. But it's, it's, this is really a participation. This, this, uh, participation is necessary in the new covenant. A covenant isn't one person with another unaware person. A, A covenant happens between two participating people or entities, you know, so um, it's, it really makes sense to me that he's trying to emphasize that we have got to adjust our awareness of how near he is in our, in our presence, in our, where we're at in our day, in our daily life. We've got to increase our awareness of that and learn how to operate with him, participate with him. You know, I, I just realized that I, I watched this show. I love analogies. You know, it helps drive the point home for me. But I was watching this sh- British TV show. Uh, a couple days ago, and it takes place back whenever the Titanic sank, you know, whenever that was, 1800s or something maybe. 
And uh, so there's this this huge estate back where, you know, the people living on the estate were sort of treat, treated like royalty almost. And so they had servants. And so it was back during the times where the people like this had servants to actually help them dress. You know, they were like, this is my man, you know, this is my lady. Uh, it was just, it's funny language to me, but you know, so there's actually somebody in their room helping them put their clothes on every single day. Well, this, this new guy came who was maybe a one generation slightly removed from that lifestyle. And he didn't really want that guy, but to be there to dress him every day, he kind of wanted to do it himself. Well, the guy, this was a profession for him. I think they called him a valet or valet or something like that. So this was his career. I mean, this is like a middle-aged man who had been groomed his entire life to serve in this role. And it was a real, it was a role that was really dignified if you got to personally serve the, the man of the house or the woman of the house. And so they showed him and he was talking to a friend and he said, I just stand there because he won't let me help him. I just stand there. He like a bumpkiss or something like that. He's some funny word. I can't remember, but I mean, like the color was draining from his face and he was he was heartbroken because he just stood in the room. He said, I just stand there and watch a man dress. That sounds different than the the dignified role that he had had a lot of um, pride in performing well in his and for his lifetime. And finally, the the new generation guy that had come in. Um, somebody told him that he was robbing the man of his dignity by not allowing him to participate in this, in this process with him, not allowing him. And it just struck me how it's heartbreaking to think that we're robbing the Holy Spirit of dignity. We're robbing the Holy Spirit of dignity and letting him participate and do the, the thing he wants to do with us. Same with, with, with Jesus, you know, they want the whole, I, I call them, they, I call them the, are my warrior team, you know, God up above on the throne. He makes all things possible. Jesus is up in heaven praying for me. He made it possible for me to reconnect. But as she shared, the Holy Spirit's here as my best friend to remind me of what Jesus said. So everything that Tisa shared today about the things that we can do wrong, you know, if you speak something that's prophesying something into your future, the Holy Spirit's there to say, hey, you don't want to say that. And the Holy Spirit's there to remind us of what Jesus said to, hey, use this tool in this situation. The Holy Spirit is there to say, hey, you forgot to ask for grace to help you. You forgot to ask for grace for that heavenly fuel to come in to provide for what you're trying to do right now. And so this is a participation relationship that we're in. And the Holy Spirit, I know, is, is highlighting for us today that all of these wonderful benefits of the new covenant that were given to us, they, we, we receive them through participation and allowing our, the Godhead to participate with us. And so one way we can increase that is by increasing our awareness of how near they are. When you get up in the morning, the Holy Spirit is there just like that valet guy. Okay. He want, he's there when you wake up, you know, they, if you've ever watched a show like that, or I know the crown, they, they show it where the, the servants actually come into the room and open up the windows and bring them the breakfast before the, the queen ever even opens her eyes. 
That's the Holy Spirit. I mean, he's there. When you wake up, he's already there. So will you participate? Will you allow the Holy Spirit to participate with you? Will you ask, like Tisa said, will you ask to to know how to utilize the tools that he's given in each day? And so I just want to lead us out. And we just want to say, Papa, we don't want to rob you of the dignity that you deserve, the dignity that you paid a really high price for. We don't want to rob you of, of the joy. It's not even about dignity for you, really. It's about delight because you love us so much. You want to be with us. You want to participate with us in life. You want to be our best friend. You want to be able to run to us, as Shudi sang about in worship. You want to run to us and be able to embrace us and express your love to us. You never, ever, ever intended to be a faraway, distant, distant God. You've paid every price and you've bridged every gap and you've provided every resource for us to be in communion together, to participate and do life together. So Holy Spirit, we just say that we receive who you are in our lives today. And we ask for more. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to teach us how to participate with you, to teach us how to partner with you in the way that you designed. What a great, great, great afternoon. You know, I'm just so in awe that we get invited into this great invitation to live a life with him where you know we were once separated but he drawed us in close he he loved us so much that he was willing to risk it all just to have us forever that is just just such an amazing revelation and you know i just don't take it lightly so i just you know remember today that the holy spirit is longing to be put in he's longing to just say you know i love that analogy that Teresa always says you know put me in coach that's holy spirit like let me in i want to show you i want to teach you i want to help you make good decisions i want to teach you new things about the father i want to teach you who you are to the father you know it it's all available to us it's how hungry are we we get to assign value we get the honor and we get the privilege of assigning value. So how much do we value the Holy Spirit's voice in our lives? We get to choose that. He feeds the hungry. Don't forget. So just want to just pray over our hearts and then Cheryl's going to come up and, and do offering. And so, Daddy, I just pray over our hearts today that this seed, the seed of truth, the Holy Spirit in us, the Holy Spirit guiding us, our covenant relationship with you. God, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I remember where I was before I accepted your invitation. I remember. And I'm forever changed. 
because of what you chose to do. You went first. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So I just pray over this seed today. May it have an effect on our hearts and affect us forever, forever, forever. So we just love you, Holy Spirit. We love you, Daddy. We love you, Jesus. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com. Okay